Amen. God bless them. God bless them. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful to have my parents with me again today. Amen. I give honor to them. I give honor to our bishop and Sister Schoonover. I give honor to my wife. So good to see all of you here today. Amen. If you have a Bible, I'd like you to turn to Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. It says, My people are destroyed. Uh, four, four words right there that you wouldn't expect to find in the Bible. I don't think if you just, you just did a precursory look in the Bible, you would think, well, that's about, the Bible is about God doing good things for good people. For his people. But he says, my people. Everybody say, my people. My people are destroyed. How would he? How? Hey, wait a second. They're your people. You're not going to let them be destroyed. You're going to take care of them. You're going to look after them and help them and take care of them, all that stuff. No, but he says, my people are destroyed. Why? How? When? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Everybody say lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That tells me if they had knowledge, they wouldn't be destroyed. Whatever the knowledge is that he's talking about. Because he's going to look at a person and he's going to say, do you have this knowledge or not? To lack means you don't have it or you don't have enough of it. So he's looking at the person and saying, either you've got this knowledge or you don't. And if you don't, you're destroyed. Destroyed. That's a strong word. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge. Okay, so now it's not about whether they ever got the opportunity to learn it. They had the opportunity to learn it and they rejected it. Because thou hast rejected Knowledge. See, this is the only way God can look at a person and say, do you have the knowledge or not? Because you were given the opportunity to get the knowledge. If you weren't, he couldn't be a just God. And he would just say, well, some people, get it, some people are good enough, some people aren't. Some people are smart enough, some people aren't. No, each person has to be created with the capacity to understand Enough to receive or reject the knowledge that God will give them. Each person. The scripture says he's not a respecter of persons. So he doesn't look at some people and think, oh, those are my, those are my smarties. Those are my real intelligent ones. Those are the, the A students in Bible class. They've got the knowledge. Oh, and this group over here, well, you know, not so much. He doesn't do that. He doesn't separate out. In fact, the scripture says that he chose ignorant and unlearned men. Everybody say, thank the Lord for that. He chose ignorant and unlearned men. Not the school, not the teachers of the law, not the ones that knew it inside and out. His disciples, it says, they, they took notice of them and they said, these are ignorant. They don't know anything. They, oh, man, you want the preacher that knows it all back and forth, inside and out, and can tell you for three hours straight about what this means. And, you know, then the scripture says that they are unlearned. They don't know. They're not. But Jesus, as he says here, he gives the person the opportunity to receive or reject knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge. I'm going to read that one more time. Each person 
has to be created with the capacity to understand enough to receive or reject the knowledge that God would give them. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. To forget means you knew it and then you didn't know it. You learned it. I mean, most of us learned a Pythagorean theorem, right? At some point, if you went through high school. I learned it. I couldn't tell you what it is right now. I forgot it. I, it had to be on the test, and I had to take that test and try to prove that I learned this at some point, but I forgot it. Every now and then, I'll, my kids will be learning something, and I'll think, oh, yeah, I remember that. Roy G. Biv. Anybody know what that is? Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. It's the colors of the rainbow. I, I didn't forget that one. So they'll, and sometimes you, you remember things and they, they come back to you. But he says, because thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will forget thy children. I don't want to have a lack of knowledge. I don't want to have the ability to know something, but then not know it or reject it. The Lord takes each one of us, our lives, the, the days, the weeks, the months, the years that he gives us, the time that he invests in us through his word, through the church, through, through preachers. And he takes all of that and he says, you've heard me. You've learned about me. You've gone and sat in worship services like today and you've felt my presence. And I have proven to you who I am and what you know about me. Are you going to learn that? Are you going to receive that? Embrace that? Or are you going to reject that? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. I had this, this thought come to me, I guess it was yesterday or a couple of days ago. And I feel like if we're not careful, we could, we could express this, whether in our, in our minds or just to ourselves or in our thoughts. But it is, I still have the ability to feel God. I can feel Him. I can feel His presence. So I must be doing okay. That's a, that's a scary and dangerous thing because feelings are not necessarily true feelings and I would even dare say yes you can actually feel God the one true supreme being of all the earth you can feel his presence and whether you feel it or not is not an indicator of whether you are right or not so it's a dangerous thing to say well I, as long as I can still feel him I know that his presence is near me. I know that I can get into a place of his spirit. So, so I'm, I must not be doing too bad. I must, he must be okay with some of this stuff that I've got in my life still because I can still feel him. I'm just going to read a couple of these verses. Ephesians 4.17 this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. Paul wrote this to Ephesians who were Gentile people in the church. So he says, don't walk as other Gentiles. They walk in the vanity of their mind. Verse 18, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them 
because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given over themselves have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness and greediness. Paul says, just take a look at those around you, the other Gentiles, the other people living in your area, your friends, neighbors, relatives, co-workers. Look at them and look at how they live, look at how they walk, and then don't do that. Basically, that's what he's saying. Don't walk as other Gentiles walk. He says, they walk after the vanity of their mind. That means they have thoughts that come into their mind and they live those out. They're living according to what goes in the cabeza. And they follow after that. Oh, I got a thought, I've got a plan, I've got an action, let's do that. But he says, not just their mind, the vanity of their mind. An, a, a, a one word that can be translated as vanity is emptiness. I'm not saying that Paul said they're empty-minded, but I'm saying whatever is in their mind, they're, and they're following, it's not the thing to follow. Having the understanding darkened. That's the problem with following after your own mind. Your understanding is not what it should be. I, I, got, I just like it when I can look into Scripture and, I, and the Lord gives me not just a, a clarity or a meaning or understanding, but he almost gives me like a visual understanding. And when, it's, when the words un, having your understanding darkened, it's like living on the dark side of the moon. The covering of darkness that's over the mind is how they live. It's, it's what happens when you just, you have a mind. It's, sub, it's subject to all that's in this world and that the influences of this world darken your mind. It uses two, two key phrases here. The understanding is darkened and the heart is blind. The blindness of the heart, the, the darkness of the understanding or the mind. Who would want to live a life like that? In darkness, in blindness. When your heart is blinded, it can't see right from wrong. So it's open to deception. Your heart. We say, we, this is a common phrase in the world, follow your heart. What is your heart telling you? That's, a, that's troublesome when you look at it from a scriptural standpoint because your heart is blinded. Another scripture says it's deceitfully wicked. It's open to deception because it doesn't know. Yes, this is right. This is good. This is holy. I'll follow this and do this. Or no. Think about it and I feel like if you did a percentage, well over 50% of the time I speak, somewhere or another we're going to talk about Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve and the serpent. I don't know why. Maybe I haven't learned that lesson yet. But the Lord always takes me there. The tree was called, what? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. First of all, at the, when the Lord made Adam and Eve, he didn't create them with the intention that they would eat that fruit and gain that knowledge. They lived in this, what we call the age of innocence because they didn't even know there was such a thing as good or evil. And he just said, don't eat of it. Is that what he said? Don't eat of this tree. You can eat of all the fruit of all the trees in the garden, but of the tree in the middle of it, thou shalt not eat.
So, I don't know any better. I don't know good from evil. And then the serpent tells Eve, no, 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 no. That's, that's not really the, the... God knows when you eat it, He just doesn't want you to be like Him. That's a lie. You are created in His image, after His likeness. That's already said in the Scripture before what the serpent just said. Your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God's if you eat of this tree. No, but they did eat of it, and then all of a sudden they knew right from wrong, good from evil. And the first thing they knew was we did wrong. Imagine that's the first thing you learn when you get your, your, your mind opened. I did wrong. It's kind of like when you sit through a Bible study with someone for the first time and they don't know the scripture and you're waiting for the light bulb to come on that they say, wait a second, that means I'm wrong. Thank you. Now that we've got that established, how are we going to respond? You see it on Acts, in Acts chapter 2 when Peter speaks all these things and it says they were pricked in their heart. You mean I'm wrong? What I did was, that's, that's like 99% of the issue of the human condition is having to admit you're wrong. I just, nah, I know what I saw. You're wrong. But I, it looked a lot like, you're wrong. I can convince myself, you're wrong. 99% of the issue is admitting, you're wrong. So again, Adam and Eve, they eat it, they eat the fruit, they get the understanding, and then, now that they know they're wrong, the next thing they're going to do is hide. Get away from. Put distance between me and God. Because I'm wrong. I don't want to be told how wrong I am. Uh, so I'm just going to hide and stay away from God. We're talking about a heart that's blind and an understanding that's darkened. Without the Lord, without His Spirit, this is how people live. They have no other op option, no other alternative than to live according to what the Scripture says. And without Him, we are in darkness. We are blinded. Scripture says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of men. That they might not receive the truth. That they might not receive the truth. The God of this world blinds the eyes of men that they won't see the truth. Not, oh, let me give you a, a, a greater understanding of why God doesn't want you to sin. No, there we see the act of blindness being put on. Eve, through the deception. Everybody say deception. This is, the, this is the worry, the fear, the problem with living in blindness, with living without understanding, living without knowledge. I mentioned this idea of when you're... The, the, the visual picture of understanding dark and like living on the dark side of the moon. The problem is, when you live in darkness, you think any light is true light. You think anything bright is light and good and correct. Oh, and I want to live, 
I, I like to see by the light of that thing. I felt like the Lord gave me this word to describe that. Artificial. You live by artificial light and you don't even know it. Why does the scripture say that Lucifer was an angel of light? God, <clears throat> I'm not going to take the time to do this today, but if you look at all the description of Lucifer in the, in the scripture, and you, you, you were arrayed with this, and God put all this on you. Why? Because God is light, and he wanted himself to reflect off of Lucifer to see himself and his greatness in his magnitude. So originally, the Lord was casting his light off of himself to the reflection of that thing, looking back and seeing, man, that's pretty. But then the angel of light decided it could be a little prettier if instead of him, it was reflecting me. It's artificial. It's not true. It's not the real thing. So I'll let me cast my light. And then, you know what? The first thing I want to do is get people to live in darkness so that I can shine light into their darkness and they don't even know it's me shining the light. They just see light. You ever wondered why a flashlight doesn't work in the middle of the day? Because it's not the light. It's a light. It's not the one true light. <laughs> Any light that is created not by God is artificial. There is no substitute for truth. I believe Bishop said this last week. There is no substitute for truth. Everybody say truth. The opposite of truth in this context that I'm using it is artificial. Fake, false, whatever you want to call it. If it's not truth, it's not God. Hmm. If it's not truth, it's not him. It's not from him, by him, to him, for him. Put any preposition you want in there. It's not him. It's fake. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. There is no substitute for truth. If it's not of God, it's artificial. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness. Okay, hang on. Let me go back. I didn't want to do this. Verse 9. With all power. I got a problem with that, I think, because I thought all power, me, me, I, I say this to my kids all the time, all means all. So all. So how is he going to come after the working of Satan with all power and all signs and all lying wonders? Because he's given permission to from God. And now we pause. Just letting that one sink in because we're going to come back to it. All power. The scripture says, Jesus says, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. So if the, if the one who's going to come at the end of time, what we're reading about here, even him who's coming is after the working of Satan with all power, that means at some point in time, some appointed time they will be allowed to operate with all power 
Let's go back, verse 8. Then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his... Go back again. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. That means Jesus, the one who lets, will let until he be taken out of the way. Jesus will work while it's his appointed time. Then he will be taken out of the way. Everybody see that? Next verse. And then, everybody say, and then, and then, and when? After he's taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume. We're not worried about him. The Lord will consume him with the spirit of his mouth. I'm just giving you a timeline. I'm just giving you a timeline. The Lord is in charge. He's always in charge. He's working right now. There will be a time when he steps aside so that the wicked can be revealed, the one that the Lord will consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. The Lord will destroy that with his own brightness. Next verse. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power. That's how you get to him having all power. You see that? It's in the timeline. There is an appointed time. With all power and signs, we're going somewhere. Verse 10. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. That phrase the Lord is turning over in my spirit today. The deceivableness of unrighteousness. That's how he works. Everybody say that's how he works. That's how the devil works through deception. The deceivableness of unrighteousness. To us. In the church, the saints of God, the deception of unrighteousness is that unrighteousness is righteousness. Because we know better. To the world that doesn't even know there's such a thing as righteousness and unrighteousness, the deception of unrighteousness is just that unrighteousness is fine. Fine. Just live that way. Do what you want to do. Then the scripture says, the mystery of iniquity doth already work. That's what it means. It's already out there, working. With all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Deception. When you don't love the truth. Prepare for deception. It will come. When you, not when you, okay, hear me. Not when you don't love the church. Not when you don't love the elder. Not when you don't love your brother or your sister or your husband or your wife. That's a joke. When you don't love the truth, deception will come. Next verse. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Let me give you another timeline while we're talking about timelines today. This, I've heard this scripture. I've seen it. I've tried to understand it because when you, when you reach this point in your walk with God and then all of a sudden somebody's going to come along and tell you, the Bible says God will send people 
a delusion so they might believe a lie. It's kind of like, hang on, that sounds serious. That sounds scary. God is going to lie? No, he's not a man that he should lie. He will give them strong delusion. They will believe the lie. The timeline. How are you, I'll, I'll call it this. How you perish. First, you don't love the truth. It starts there. Because they received not the truth. When you don't love the truth, that's where it starts. First, you don't love the truth. Then you get deceived by unrighteousness unrighteousness something that's not righteous comes along into your life some way shape or form it could be a person it could be a an album a band a preacher it could be a friend whatever it is unrighteousness will work through that channel to deceive you it's testing your love for the truth it's testing your knowledge of the truth You get deceived by unrighteousness. And, as it says right here, had pleasure in unrighteousness. You're not going to tempt me with kale, arugula, radishes. None of these things will work in me. I don't get pleasure out of eating a salad that's like not even good. Now, my wife makes some salads. I love them. Delicious. We'll have you over for one sometime. Put all the pressure on her. You see how easy that is? No, you get tempted by something that would bring pleasure. And unrighteousness will bring pleasure. It will wrap itself in such a way that not only, if it was, if it was arugula, it'd be like, no, thank you. Not today. No temptation. But a bacon cheeseburger, oh. Got to think about that for a minute. I've had a few of those and they're pretty good. Pleasure. They have, this is how you get to perishing. You don't have a love of truth. You get deceived by unrighteousness. You get pleasure from unrighteousness. Then God sends you strong delusion. Tested love of truth. Unrighteousness comes in, deceiving you. And God says, this person does not love the truth does not believe the truth. I had, I've, I've used this several times, I feel like, but it's been a while. I had somebody one time in, a, in a, a home fellowship group. We were just talking about scripture. And the person asked me, what if you know something is true, but you don't believe it? And I just had to, I mean, I was floored by that question. I'm thinking, I don't even know what that means, honestly. But the Lord has showed me through time he tests your belief. How does he do that? Through trials. Through trials. The testing, the trying of your faith. And we're just going to see, do you believe? Do you still believe? Do you still believe? God doesn't tempt people. But he allows you to go through trials to prove you, to test you. He wouldn't be a good father if he didn't. Am I just going to put a, a shelter over my kids, one of those inflatable, you know, bubbles and be like, 
Nope, don't, nope, nope. That's a trial over there. No, we're going to stay. That's a test. No, we're going to go over here this way. Oh, stay away from that one. That's going to be bad. That's bad. Nope. And I, I got them in a bubble. And then they're an adult and like, all right, whew, we made it. I can pass away peacefully now. I'm sorry. That's probably ruder than I should be. But I'm just trying to be honest with you. God wouldn't do that to you or me. Whom he loveth, he chastiseth. He's going to allow you to go through a test and he's going to tell you, well done, or let's try that again. And test after test. And, the, and Paul says, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And that's how you're going to become a mature Christian. All right, I'm trying to hurry. First, you don't love the truth. Then you get deceived by unrighteousness. You get pleasure in unrighteousness. Then God sends you strong delusion and you believe lies. You believe them. You're convinced now that you're right. You're convinced that all of that righteousness was wrong. And now the unrighteousness that you live in is right. You believe that. God sent you a strong delusion that you might believe a lie. Lord help us. And then you perish. What did we say in the beginning? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Destroyed. Perish. Then you perish. I'm almost done. John 17 and 17. We've talked a lot about truth. Because if a person doesn't believe truth, know truth, have a love of truth. So, so here's my question. What is truth? I, I want to know it. I want to believe it. I want to love it. Just tell me what it is. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The word of God is truth. And furthermore, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. If you receive me, you will be received of him that sent me. John the Baptist says, One's coming after me who's greater than me. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. That is truth. He is truth. Somebody say, he is truth. So, and I love that this, in John, he says, sanctify them through thy truth. Because honestly, just believing, loving, confessing is not enough. We don't get to heaven because of words that we said. sanctify them through thy... You remember this in John 17? Jesus is praying and he's talking to the Father. And he's praying this prayer for you and for me. He's praying to the Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Make them clean. Make them right. Make them holy through thy truth. Because the only way they can get to you is through sanctification, through being washed, being clean. The truth does that. That's why there's no substitute for the truth. Everything that's not that 
won't get you there. Going back to being artificial. Just say this. Just do this. Follow this light. It won't lead you there. Why don't we stand? I'll remind you one more time. We said it in Hosea. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. As we said it today, the Lord gives each one of us. Everybody raise your hand and say, that means me. The Lord gives each one of us the ability, the capacity to know And to receive or to reject. Receive or reject. I want to embrace the truth. Scripture says, buy the truth. Purchase the truth. What do I have? What's my currency? How can I buy it? I don't have enough money to buy it. You buy it with your life. That's all you have to give. I can't bring a nice Christmas gift in exchange. Lord, I haven't even opened this one yet. It might be really, really good. I'll, I'll, I'll deny that. I'll let you have it. Can I buy the truth with that? Take my car. Whatever we have to, that we possess, that we think we can purchase the truth with, we cannot. You buy it with your life. You buy it with your life. You lay your life down. We read this one a couple of weeks ago. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. I'd like us to pray. I know we've heard the truth today from God. He's giving each one of us the opportunity to receive it, to receive it, to lay hold on it. Lord, I'm thankful today. I'm thankful today that I have this opportunity to lay hold of the truth. I'm going to ask you to pray. This altar is open. I'm going to ask you, every one of us, find a place and pray. Get alone with God. Don't leave it until you know. Don't leave it until you're sure. I have the truth. I have the Lord. He is on my side. I am living a life led by Him, committed to Him. In the name of Jesus, Lord. Come on, let's pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I give you my life today, Father. I give you my life today, Lord. I lay it down at your feet. I lay it down at your feet. Come on, let's pray. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever, ever done. With Jesus, oh, falling, falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus. It's the best thing I've ever, ever done. For in his arms I feel protected In his arms never disconnected In his arms I feel 
protected there's no place I'd rather be so falling in love with Jesus falling in service, God has just been at the door of a few people's hearts just knocking. And he's knocking and saying, are you going to let me in? I'm here. I'm the light. If, if, if you would just open the door, 
then all you have to do is open the door and once you open that door he floods in he'll fill your heart he'll fill your life with light with truth today amen jesus name in jesus name i want to give us one more opportunity i'm not going to take too much time it's it's between you and god but i believe that there's at least one or two in here that this is for specifically today you're choosing if if you don't open the door you're choosing to continue in darkness it's up to you to open the door it's up to you to put the hardness of your heart aside to say you know what i might have to wake up my family i might have to cause a little bit of a stir in the house but i'm going to move to the door and i'm going to open it because i'm not going to continue in darkness any longer amen Come on, for one, one more moment, can we respond to the Lord this morning? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Father, I don't want to live in darkness for a moment longer today. God, but I put aside my pride, I put aside the selfishness of my flesh, and I open the door of my heart this morning. Jesus, for my sake, for my family's sake, for my friends, for my coworkers. It is the light of your spirit comes into my life again, that it would be shed abroad to those around me. In the name of Jesus, I pray that all darkness be driven out today, that the spirit of truth would come in, that the spirit of truth would be loosed into every heart this morning. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We thank you for your truth, God. We thank you for your spirit, Jesus. We thank you for your word today, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus. Amen. Feel free to continue praying this morning. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.